Hello and welcome back to the Careless Talk Climbing Podcast. This week we have a chat from a little while ago with Francis Bensley. Um, Francis is someone who I used to live with, so I know her quite well. Um, but she's not good at bigging up her achievements in any way. Uh, so I thought I'll have to say at the start, I knew this would happen. Um, <laughs> but so I'll say at the start, Francis is a really, really good rock climber. Um, and she's probably most well known for being, oh God, I'm going to get this wrong, but I think maybe, maybe the third British woman to climb 8B. Very sorry to anybody if that's wrong. Um, and I'm going to say another thing, which I might be apologizing for in a minute. And that, to my knowledge, she was the first um, uh, British female to climb 8B in the UK. Um, again, I say that because that is to my knowledge. Uh, I do have a uh, a feeling that we might get a few messages in about that one. Uh, but yeah, that that's to my knowledge. Uh, but that's just to say that it's, you know, she's done some things which have been really quite groundbreaking at the time. Uh, and she will almost certainly spend the rest of this uh, interview chatting like that's not the case. So I thought I'll say that out uh, first. Um, but yeah, we chat. Uh, it's, it's me and Aidan again, uh, just chatting about um, uh, Francis mostly. Uh, but we also get into some interesting topics um, about, you know, just being a the difference in being being a female in the climbing scene uh and we talk about uh females first ascensionists and female doing <laughs> females doing the female first ascensions <laughs> that's really hard to say i think i've I've garbled that right up but uh yeah general general climbing chit chat really thanks for listening should we begin with the generic yeah let's begin with the generic that's always oh. a this is this is the this is the question that we swore we wouldn't try and start with because podcasts are really boring when we hear about so many kids' birthday parties. But Francis, how did you get into climbing? Well, it wasn't a kid's birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I started when I was about six or seven, and it was my dad that took me to the local climbing. Mm. So I guess that's pretty generic as as climbers go. But it wasn't a birthday party. Okay, and what what about how did you get from six or seven year old Francis having a go at climbing? What was your experience with climbing up until you came of age? Oh, that's an excellent question. Um, <laughs> I guess I was a pretty outdoorsy kid, so it was your classic, uh, very outdoorsy, climb lots of trees, and um, I took quite well to climbing. Um, and it was something that was really nice to do as a family. Uh, my sister also climbs, Alice. Um, so, yeah, something that we did sort of once a fortnight when we used to visit Dad. Um, and then I continued it through school. It actually wasn't the only sport that I did um, at school. I pretty much uh, loved all sports when I was at school um, and dabbled in competitions for a very very brief amount of time um which I guess I've done throughout my whole adult life as well sort of very much dabbled but never really um to any particular high level you weren't a keen orienteer like 
Aiden. Oh. Oh, no, actually, I did do some orienteering. Little do we know that orienteering actually laid down, lays down brilliant foundations for climbing. <laughs> if there's one takeaway from this podcast, the best training for climbing is orienteering. Yeah, I'd highly recommend. Heard it here it's first. Great. So kind of the question then is, it's almost like not when did you start climbing, but when did climbing become your sport when did you pick that because i know you played volleyball and other things didn't you but when was climbing become number one oh, it, so it probably was quite early on but it just wasn't as number one as it is now so it was always the thing that i was best at i think i took quite well to most sports quite quickly but climbing was definitely uh the thing that, yeah the, the sport that i was best at um, but it probably wasn't until the end of university where, I guess, opportunities for other sports were less um, that climbing became the main focus. Yes, because but you went to university in Exeter, or yeah. was it? Yeah, so it was Exeter University, but it was the Falmouth campus. Falmouth, yes. Yeah, Falmouth. But that is not the place to go, really, as a climber, is it? Oh, but it's got granite planet. <laughs> <laughs> but like now there's, there's more climbing down there now, isn't there, in that direction of the world than there really was then? Developed? Yeah, uh, I mean, so it's got some fantastic trad. Um, I was never a particularly good trad climber. Um, mm. I da- again, I dabbled when I was down there. Um, but yeah, trad was never really my thing. It's a bit too scary for my liking. Um, but I think even now, I'm not sure if there's actually sort of a, a big commercial wall down there. I don't really think there's a population for it. So we used to drive about an hour every Monday, maybe Wednesday, and that was pretty much my climbing throughout university. So you climbed about once a week? Once a week, once or twice a week, yeah. Whoa. I reckon I still improved as well. Yeah, and that is that is something that we'll get to a little bit more later on. But France is definitely one of the strongest climbers I've known who does so little training um, Hang on a minute. and I've always joked that there's a correlation between how little Francis trains and how strong she climbs and it's slightly tongue-in-cheek but I actually do at least partially believe it I think I'm just more rested I think everybody else is just overtraining they're overworked they're tired and that that actually genuinely I think there's a good chance that is true I think most climbers do overtrain yeah, I agree, especially for bouldering. Yeah? Like, the sh- well, do we get into training chat now? Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll double back later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Like, that whole, like, idea of, like, finish, finish strong or short and sharp, I think is so relevant. Especially, like, we will talk about this as well, but, like, the bouldering that you do, or the outdoor climbing which you do, which makes up most of your climbing these days, is predominantly like really limit bouldering for you. You're quite into projecting. Yeah, it is. It is at the moment. Um, yeah. I think that varies though. If I go to a new place, then it's not necessarily all about limit climbing. But again, that varies. I can see some smiling know. over there. Sam I, doesn't agree. I can think of one trip that we went on where you did quite a bit of mileage your first trip to magic Woods, you yeah. got a lot done yeah but besides that you're not a mileage climber 
Yes. Would you disagree? That's, no, that's that's probably that's probably fair. You're normally trying something that's really hard for you. That's yeah, normally what you're doing. It is. I think it's what I get the most enjoyment out of. Yeah. Again, maybe that's another. That's a whole other topic. Isn't right? You know, what but, what do you love about climbing? But um. But yeah, what is it that you're looking for? Do you think? Why is it you like the hard climbs more? Is it just that? Because we. I've known you to have long, uh, like many, many sessions on stuff that you still haven't done. And yes. it doesn't seem to like, it doesn't bother you. You just keep, keep trucking away. Yeah, I've, I've got, so one, I've got a lot of patience. Um, and two, yeah, there's, there's something about, well, it's all about progress, isn't it? It's, it's making progress. Um, and I think ideally what I would like the most is stuff where you make, progress probably a little bit quicker um, than I actually do when trying the stuff at my absolute limit. But I think I'm quite a stylized climber. So finding those things is often few and far between. Um, yeah, I think that's a very helpful attitude to have, especially if you do want to climb something at your limit. But I'd be interested how many of the things which you've invested a lot of time into and seen a lot of progress on have you done even when you have had like a spell of non-linear progress like as in inevitably if you work something for long enough you will regress at some point and like it's not just linear every session getting better like does that really take the enjoyment out of that process i don't think for me no i said i i don't really get frustrated with problems um i don't really get bored Either. Uh, <laughs> Francis doesn't get bored in any aspect of her life. <laughs> Wait, so I'm struggling to say. So it doesn't frustrate you when you don't progress. But no. You do. I, I think eventually I just give up. Um, eventually I, I come to a point where I walk away. So, for example, I think I tried Voyager very briefly, didn't I? Um, yeah, but I mean, like for you, very briefly, you probably had about three sessions on it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's when I, so I guess I was still kind of making progress. But you see, for me, what is progress for most people would not be progress. Because yeah. um, for me, it's very much how I feel on the moves. If those, it's, it's all about whether those moves start to feel attainable. And if I still feel like the moves are becoming more attainable, then I might progress or, sorry, I might um, continue trying the problem. Um but uh, yeah, no, it's it's a very interesting question. I'm I'm not quite sure. It does it doesn't take away from the enjoyment. I think that's okay. Is it hard when you have those problems where you I think you give up? Is that how you put, like described it? Like no. is it you don't mind? No, doesn't feel not, like not really. Cool. Um, I think it's because with a lot of these, they're very open ended projects. It's not something that I've set out to do. It's something that I've set out to open an account on uh, to see if I think it might be attainable. Uh, and then I'll try it for a, pro- uh, well, for a period of time until I either think, okay, yeah, this will go and I might end up doing that problem. Or it gets to a point where I realise actually I'm not really making progress here um, and there's probably something more interesting that I'm, I'd be um, psyched to try. And so, yeah, I walk away. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Like, I've never really known you to look particularly dejected 
after kind of walking away from something or like you're not really someone that kind of would would seem devastated to have failed on a, on a boulder or something and like and actually you tend to just sort of stop trying something more than like it doesn't it's not normally an active process i don't normally hear you say right i'm not going to try this anymore you just don't go back to it that's that's completely true and i think actually if the whole hadn't broken voyager and somebody i knew was they're trying it then there's actually a high chance that i pull back on um not with any intention of i'm going to do voyager as as an example but very much just to see what the moves felt like um which I don't know. Maybe that's completely pointless. It's, it's, but, no, um, it's a different mindset. It's progress mindset, not like just success. end goal. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's never really been end goal. No, I think that's really cool. I think there's, I think it's quite rare as well. I know so many people who are really hesitant to try things, which I think they will. They think that they will do, even if I know they are capable of doing it. Right. Uh, and that like that fear of failure will stop them from achieving things that I know they're capable of. So I think it's quite, yeah, quite a rare quality, but helpful. I think it's interesting that you mentioned failure. Um, Because that's something that I think I am quite scared of. But I think... But where do you see failure? Like what, I mean, what's failure to you? Failure to me is if I set out to do something, and in my mind, I'm going to do it, and then I don't. I failed. Do you let yourself feel like that? I never usually put myself in a position where I can. Yeah. Feel like so th- this that. is one of the. This is going to be one of the like. <laughs> it's becoming a theme of the podcast. I think is the difference between trying boulders and climbing boulders. You yeah, know, like absolutely. Like. The, the difference between people who go out to try stuff and go out to climb. I'd say you're definitely someone who goes out to try in yes. your mind. You don't have that kind of like killer instinct mindset. I I think I have zero killer instinct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would totally agree. Um, I think maybe the only difference is when I'm re- you know fairly confident that I absolutely should be able to do this boulder. Um, but that usually means that that boulder is quite a bit easier than the things at my limit so there would be absolutely no reason why I couldn't do this boulder and at that point I might go out with an objective of oh yeah you know I'm gonna try this boulder I'll do it um funny how you said I'll, I'll try this boulder <laughs> as opposed to I'm gonna go and do this boulder <laughs> okay. you're always gonna go try that boulder <laughs> yeah okay no, yeah maybe even in those instances it's still a case of going out to try something um but I guess there's there's the expectation that I'd yeah, ex- probably do it um but it would have to I'd have to be so confident that I was going to do that in order to actually have that expectation um otherwise yeah, I try and get rid of all expectations. And I think that's been a theme throughout my life, really, is if, if you don't have expectations, you can't really ever be disappointed with it, which is, I think it's quite detrimental um, in some instances because you never, I, I think you don't push yourself or fight for things as much um, as somebody who goes out with an objective and really fights for that. Um, this is interesting. This is something I did want to talk about but didn't really want to bring it up so directly because this is somewhere where we differ very starkly. Uh, We discussed in episode one uh, about how precise I've always found I've been with goal setting and how helpful I find 
that is. But you really are quite adverse to setting goals. I'm terrified of setting goals. (laughs) Have you ever set a goal? Um, Not a big goal where I didn't have an out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Again, unless I was utterly confident that I could achieve that. And do you... Do you have any goals in climbing at all? I've, ve- I've loose goals. I've got vague goals. Well, you want, uh, give, give, us a, give us a vague goal. So my, I, I've definitely talked with you about this. You know, a vague goal um, was when I was out with you in Switzerland and we tried we tried new baseline. Yeah. Which, yeah. Wait, let's which, talk about that. We don't need to go into that anymore. <laughs> we can talk about that. That's been well covered. <laughs> um, but you see, that was a line that I'd had many people say, ah, that will probably suit you. Um, I still say that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and having tried all of the moves and uh, getting on with it, yeah, I'd say relatively well. I think, you know, it's very hard, but um, I do get on with it relatively well. So as, as a very loose goal, it would be a really cool thing to do. But I'm certainly not going to set in stone and be like, I'm going to do new baseline. Because if I don't, then that, that's where the failure comes in, which I, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd run a million miles. From. It might help you do step one, though, which is to try a new baseline. Yeah, we had had COVID, we had lockdown. Since that trip, you haven't been back to try it or anything. No, but I yeah. So I guess we had realised that we we'd been to Switzerland a few times. Um, Actually, I think you've been on all of the trips that I've been to Switzerland. I think so. Yeah, I think I've been on all of them. Yeah, yeah. Poor you. Um, (laughs) Loved every minute. Loved every second. All bar about (laughs) twenty minutes. Yeah, and I, I I think I mean I think both of us realised that actually there's there's a whole lot else in Switzerland other than just magic wood, Um, but especially in the UK, it's it's the place that we hear the most about. So kind of felt like it'd be good to explore other places, but. No, I'm I'm definitely psyched to go back. Um, maybe this year. I guess it's if you're going to go back to magic, you probably want to have an exit strategy. Knowing you, it's like some other boulders you could try if if you didn't want to kind of commit. Potentially, yeah. Because actually, I think ah oh, yes, yeah, so, um, Jack's broken heart. That actually maybe was. I think there was a slight objective of trying to do Jack's broken heart. Actually, I think there was. Yeah. Because I remember I did that on a previous trip and you felt the moves and thought like, oh, this will be all right. Um, you know, like this will go for me. And then and then you found it, I think, harder to string together than you initially expected. Absolutely. But I also remember not dealing with the pressure like well at all yeah um, it's the closest I've ever come to having a meltdown I remember having a little cry yeah. <laughs> for sure yeah, out of pure frustration which is very well almost never happens um and realizing that actually I, I don't think that I enjoyed the red pointing or sorry uh, well the sieging process if you like on a trip because there's the time pressure whereas if it was in the UK I could have just had it as an open project where there wasn't that time pressure and um yeah I, I think it's you know by the end of the trip I thought I wasn't going to do it 
Um, and I've made my peace with it. And I think mm. I genuinely would have been okay not doing it. But in the process to that, I sort of had to go through that process of becoming okay with the realisation of, you know what, actually, I, I don't think I'm going to get this done in the time that I've got. And I haven't really tried anything else. Um, and so you could say, you know, I was going to come away from that trip having done literally nothing. Um, and yeah, as I say, I, I think I kind of made my peace with that. Um I mean, I actually did do the block and that was great. Yeah. That was, but you know, that was actually one of the happiest moments, you well, know, I felt in climbing. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure I enjoy, I'm not sure I enjoy that experience entirely. Well, now's the time for me to do the traditional man thing and float in here and steal as much of your credit as I can. <laughs> because I actually remember the night, it was the last day. And the night before the last day, I distinctly remember you saying that you thought you weren't going to try it again and you're just going to go and do a bit of mileage. So you felt like you'd done some stuff for that trip. And I remember like persuading you to give it another go because of how close you were. Yeah. So that turned out out to be good advice, but it could have been really bad (laughs) advice. No, I I don't think so at all. I mean, you can take a lot of credit there. Uh, (laughs) But it was a weird trip, wasn't it? Because like... It was. Because you had that and Orin was, was on your baseline. So there was a lot of like, because, and this is another thing is like, how do you deal with the project mindset on really relatively short trips? Yeah. Well, apparently not very well. <laughs> it, it's, it's the classic toss up, isn't it? On a trip of like, do you go for something really hard that you'd be really proud, proud of and potentially leave with nothing? Yeah. Or do you try a load of things that, you know, would be sort of mini achievements? Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's not it's not quite as exciting, is it? No, we all want that. We're all more drawn to those like really cool, big, you know, big number problems that are kind of seen as these like really hard test pieces. And so yeah. we want, we kind of want those more. Than I the think, uh, sorry, no, go yeah, no, I was just before we move on from that, I was quite interested that you described the most obvious time where you set yourself a goal and achieved it, you described as one of your greatest moments in climbing. <laughs> <laughs> not Damn. trying to not so true. I mean, I'm not trying to catch you out. But, <laughs> but uh, no, it's just interesting to me that that was something you found so euphoric and yet is something you still feel a little adverse to. I mean, I understand with, like, UK... And, I mean, I always bang on about the timeless nature of rock, but, like, the rock isn't going anywhere. So, like, in terms of setting a goal, it is quite open-ended. And, like, you never... you You can choose never to stop trying something. But it's quite interesting to me that you did have a deadline in your head and you achieved something and... It was such a good moment for you, and yet you have decided not to in subsequent years. Yeah, um, I, I mean, as I say, it also was one of the most stressful times. Yeah. So I think the two very much go hand in hand. It's, it's the frustration when you're not making progress, um, and I think you have to be able to deal with that and the potential failure. And I think for me. I'm not sure how good I am at dealing with frustration and failure. Um, and so my strategy so far has just been to avoid it, which is, yeah, potentially not the healthiest attitude. Um, 
but that that so far has has been the way so that is kind of the the theme there isn't it is that like if you make a goal there's pressure all of a sudden and if you were to miss the goal it's upsetting but if you do get it it's amazing so it's just raising the stakes a little bit yeah yeah the highs are higher and the lows are certainly lower do you still set goals Aidan in the same way as you did when you were younger um I definitely think they've changed since I've stopped competing Mm. Uh, and since uh they are more open-ended like you say but I will like set a I will like have a date where like I will be aiming to do something for example I like will be like I want to go and try burden of dreams in this season and I will make a judgment depending on my progress like before as to when I will book the trip but I will like align my training with doing that say so like I will set a goal of like to go on this trip and do this boulder and it will be a goal but I will assess like in a reasonable amount of time beforehand if I'm like well I just don't feel in good enough shape this isn't going to work I'm not going to waste a six days traveling there and back yeah do you have a goal to climb 9a uh I guess yes. It's more I have a goal to podcast exclusive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I say I'd say yes, but I wouldn't say the goal is to climb nine A. Like I have a goal. I had my goal was when I went to try Burden of Dreams. Is my goal with that was to find a climb that wouldn't require me to improve mm. to do it, and. A climb which is of like loosely defined as a new level in difficulty feels like the most obvious one to go and try. Yeah. And I for sure know I need to improve to do it. So that's kind of like the goal was to choose that boulder because I knew that it was the one most likely to require me to improve. So that's almost a cunningly phrased goal, which which meant it was difficult because you phrased the goal in to find a boulder that would require you to improve, it's quite hard to fail that because the only way of failing, I suppose, would be to do the boulder and then... <laughs> <laughs> to rock up and then... <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> it's too easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, no. But, like, upon finding such a boulder, now I'm like, my goal is to do it because yeah. I found a boulder which requires me to improve. So now right. that is a goal. Now, now it's a more like yeah, yeah, win, a, win loss. Yeah, that was like, well. But yeah. you won't ever set a time limit on it, will you? So No, because like, it's hard to fail as in like, yeah, unless, exactly. unless it's like, oh, you've got a career ending injury or like, yeah, yeah. oh, I'm 50. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just it's, it's quite of the same as to what Francis was saying though. It's like, you're kind of giving yourself like goals which don't have a fail date as well. Yeah. So which you obviously don't have the luxury of doing in competitions. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Because of the day, a time to show up. Yes. And it's no, a specific time. There's no timeless nature of competitions. No timeless nature of plastic cult. <laughs> 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 like we ever do some merch. Yeah. 
It'll be one of my absolutely abysmal stick drawings of you saying, talking about the timeless nature of rock. I reckon people are going to want people that. People are going to love that. Yeah. <laughs> I call that. <laughs> but like, Francis, is that something that you would be a bit more tempted in? It's just like goals are like Aiden's, like a bit open-ended and yeah, yeah freer. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Something uh, where I can push myself to my limit which as I said I think that is something that I genuinely do have um well that's probably my biggest enjoyment of climbing um and I think the reason for that is when you put that amount of effort into something it's just that much more rewarding if you succeed Mm. um and I guess the point there is there's a lot of ifs you don't always succeed um and there will be plenty of things that I've tried that I won't do um, but the ones that I do, generally, I find them a lot more rewarding than, as I say, for me personally, uh, quicker ticks that I, you know, that I might do in a day. And I, you know, plenty of people, absolutely, that's something that maybe they live for. Um, but that's just not, that's just not me. Um, and I, I would definitely say, like, I think part of me wishes that I wasn't so averse to failure. Because I do genuinely think that if you can set goals and work towards them, you're probably far more likely to succeed um, and do well, because I think you're willing to put yourself in that position. You're putting yourself out there. Um, but yeah, that's just, it's just a personal thing, really. Mm. You want to be enjoying it while you're doing it. Yeah, ideally. <laughs> I mean, hopefully <laughs> if, that's why we set, climb. <laughs> if setting goals makes you really stressed, then yeah, definitely. But I guess the proof sense. would be in the pudding is that perhaps one year you could just make a goal and see if you enjoy it for that year, trying to chase a goal. And then if you didn't enjoy it, you could go back to not having <laughs> any goals. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you've got to be able to invest quite a bit of time into doing that. Um, and I think for me as well, like I've never been a professional climber um and I've always felt that oh, no maybe I don't want to say that I don't know no 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 I don't know I guess I've, I've always felt like well it was it was my it was my choice to have a full-time job I'm I'm in absolute awe of people that well probably have worked a lot harder than me and achieved a hell of a lot more um, I think that's incredibly impressive. But. but would you would you want to be a professional climber if you if you could be, or you know, would that, is that something that you like the sound of, or not really? I mean, I, I guess being able to do something that you love full time that is very appealing. But for how long? Mm. So for me personally, I I think, yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure for how long I'd enjoy doing solely climbing um but i i definitely think like short term absolutely i'd i'd absolutely love that yeah but almost like an extended trip then really (laughs) oh i don't know maybe a year or 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 a couple of years or something like that but i think after that yeah for for me i think um why is it that you wouldn't want to be a professional climber then what what do you think you'd be missing I think for me, climbing doesn't stimulate my brain in the same way. Um, well, I, I, I guess, you know, my studies that I'm doing currently, um, academia. Yeah, yeah. If you like. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm not sure that climbing stimulates my brain in the same way that academia does. 
Um, and I think after a while, I feel like I just haven't used my brain. Um, yeah. Which some people don't mind in the slightest. I've, I've talked to a lot of people and they it doesn't bother them in the slightest that they don't feel like mentally they're being stretched. Um, but for me, I think long term, that's something that actually I, I feel like I've been missing. You want a more mental challenge at, at some point. At life. some yeah. point, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that, you know, that, as I say, I think in, in the short term, being a professional climber would be fantastic. Um, but um, No, I understand that. I think also it's fair to say that this is the viewpoint of someone who, like me, is getting a little bit older in the climbing scene. Absolutely. Um, and so <laughs> Surrounded by young guns. Your, your viewpoints do change a little bit as you get a little bit older. I mean, I'm not saying we're ancient, but... I've just turned 30 and Francis is very nearly 30. Um, and it does maybe like, I think, I think maybe if I'd asked you the same question when you were 20, you might have had a slightly different response, at least for a period. Well, absolutely. I, I guess after university, I did actually take about seven years out. Um, so I guess that shows, doesn't it? Yeah. It, it took me seven years. Um, well, maybe that was also me plucking up the courage to sort of realise that's what I actually wanted. Um going back into academia um but yeah as i say it's it's very different for each person that's just that's just me. yeah i mean mm -hmm. you, you mustn't worry about it's it shouldn't be offensive to anybody else to say that it's just not what works for you like you know that doesn't, that doesn't mean <laughs> that's not to mean you're taking it away from anyone else i mean no absolutely not aiden is famously you know a complete knucklehead so he's not really <laughs> <laughs> i am since i started climbing i don't think at all <laughs> <laughs> but i know aiden, you've said as well at some point you know your you know pro climbing lifestyle has a shelf life as well at some point yeah yeah no i do I do believe that. Um, I think for the time being, whilst unsure exactly where I would like to invest my energy in the longer term, professional climbing is somewhere, something which I really enjoy. It does make me happy. I f yeah, I find, I find like it seems a shame not to take up such a unique opportunity. Yeah, not many people get the opportunity to be a professional climber. That is yeah. so, so true. <laughs> well, absolutely. As I say, if I was given that opportunity, I'm, I'm sure I'd jump on it. Um, as I say, in, in, in the short yeah. term. Yeah. Um, Certainly, like, there was a time when I would have said the same. Like, there was definitely a time in my life where if that opportunity had ever reared its head, I would have seized it with both hands. It's probably... I, I can confidently say now it's not the case. But definitely, I think... I think definitely I would have done it for a, a good bunch of years if I'd had the opportunity because it's an amazing opportunity yeah. um, to really, you know, that's a great way to kind of properly give yourself time to find out where your limit is, I guess. Mm. Um, because like big, big shout out to all of the guys out there. Uh, and I meant that as a, <laughs> as a unisex term. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of course. Or, or, for everybody, I should say, out there that are, like, weekend warrioring it. You know, I've so much respect for those people who've got, like, full nine-to-five jobs and yet still crush it, you know, get loads of stronger sense. I think that's amazing. But yeah. that is definitely the harder way to do it. Yeah, yeah. The level of tenacity required to pick yourself up after a tiring week. 
and go batter yourself at the crack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, stories of people who, get, you know, get off work, then immediately drive for, like, a few hours to a crag and then drive for a few hours home at, like, the, in the wee hours of the morning and then back to work the next day. Like, I think that's remarkable. Yeah. But climbing is the kind of sport that people have been very successful in almost every different way. There are people who weekend warrior it and do incredibly, incredibly well. Oh, yeah. There's, like, absolutely no formula for success in climbing. Like... That's kind of nice, isn't it? <laughs> but do keep listening for our talk about training. At the end. <laughs> yes. Where we will tell you the formula for success in driving. <laughs> like, yeah, no, it is. I think it is cool. Like, where, like, what other sport do you get where, like, somebody's winning World Cups and a dad of two, like, yeah, it doesn't happen often, does it's it? So not mind out climbing. Like, we we haven't figured it out at all. And I think that's something that. I quite love about it. Yeah. You know, we're, we're in so much of an earlier position than like a sport like tennis or football. Yeah. You know, we don't really know and no one really knows. And people who claim to know are probably lying to you or <laughs> deluded, but because it's just, there's just so much research which hasn't been done that we're trying to extrapolate from. Yeah, yeah. So it's all these like people's strong opinions about n equals one samples, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, n equals one. Well, uh, yeah. Actually, we got onto this long tangent, which is actually way more interesting. Talking about training <laughs> when we're talking about Baldwin's doing way too much, and like you were saying with a projecting, how how often in a projecting session would you succeed? Maybe do your project three hours into a session pretty much never pretty much never you normally yeah. i don't know my, my experience of really hard boulders is you'd have progressions throughout your sessions and then i'd usually warm up and do it first go or like within a couple of goes and so i feel like replicating that within training we were talking about doing two days a week when you're at uni like yeah. usually to give yourself the best chances to do your project you rest like a load of days beforehand, have really good skin. You're like really recovered and then have a really short session. So maybe, yeah, maybe that is uh, not necessarily a terrible formula to replicate in your weekly routine. Yeah, absolutely. I think when projecting as well, it's, um, I think you learn the most when actually trying the boulder. Um, and that's sort of an another reason why, sort of training less or yeah like yeah training less <laughs> um because you're you're training on the block effectively i guess with okay so in in regards to training i started training about two three years ago i would say and that at which point you are decades into your climbing life <laughs> yeah absolutely decades yeah. into my climbing life and I guess that's that's not to say I guess you could say that trying hard on on steep angles could be a form of training um but there was no structure to my training so I started mm. in, in a structured way um about yeah about three years ago um I guess my motivation for that was to become a more rounded climber um because I think I've always been very stylized um and what what exactly do you mean by that for the folks at home for the folks at home um so within my style the style of climbing that i like which is generally quite basic um 
relatively small holds, definitely in the steep. That's something uh, that I excel at relative uh, to other style of, styles of climbing, so say slabs, which I'm notoriously bad at, or especially have been uh, in the past. Um, so training very much was, the, the idea behind that was to become a, um, a more all-round climber, which I think it opens a lot more doors. But yeah, I, I think there are, there are a lot of blocks these days that I might be able to try that previously I wouldn't have stood a chance. No, I'm, I'm very grateful to have um, started training. It's, um, yeah, it's definitely changed my perspective a little bit. Right now, how many times do you climb and or train per week? Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> right now, I'm, I'm right at the end of a, right at the end of a, trying to finish my degree. So, um, wow, in the last two weeks, I've probably climbed. This is, but today was about the fourth time I've climbed in the last two weeks. On average. <laughs> So it's not changed at all. Yeah. So it's about the same, really. Yeah. So I'll start this three-year training plan, and I do exactly the same. Thing. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's definitely not fair. Um, no, I've I've definitely had periods of time where I've been a lot more. Well, okay, maybe disciplined is the wrong word. You both know me well enough to know I'm not particularly disciplined uh, when it comes to training. But I've I've definitely, uh, yeah. Certainly have weeks where I'm a lot better, um, and I do a lot more of my training plan. And you know, if I take everything off of my training, that's, that's a very good week. Um, but yeah, particularly right now, I've done very little training. But I think the interesting thing is when I climb outdoors, I don't really notice any drop off from not doing training. Um, whereas, of course, I will I will notice on the the training specific exercises. Um, do you enjoy training? There's aspects of training that I really enjoy. There's, uh, I think I'm somebody that sometimes, especially when I'm tired, especially mentally fatigued, I very much struggle with motivation. Um, and so the idea of trying really, really hard with weighted pull-ups or something like that, it's, it's not something that fills me with joy. Um, <laughs> um, but no, I, I, you know, I have moments where I really enjoy training, um, and especially the more climbing-specific um, bits of training I really enjoy. Do you feel like you have an extra gear that you sometimes use outdoors that you struggle to find indoors? See, I don't think I do. Um, but as somebody who's climbed with me, potentially you might have a you might have a different perspective. From from my point of view, I I don't think I do. I think just outdoors is easier than indoors. Um, I think there are more options, which again, as I said previously, as being a different, you know, maybe a slightly shorter climber, um, you know, with relatively good finger strength, you know, there's there's more options. So I'm not limited to, you know, footholds that feel in the wrong places or, you know, big spans, things like that. So I can I can create a position where I have my sort of perfect little box that I can fit in. I mean, you clearly read my eyes there because that's. <laughs> I definitely feel like at times I've seen you find another gear outdoors, and then indoors sometimes I think you. I've seen you give up on things so early in something. I think that is your style. Like I've seen you do so much harder than that outdoors. But yeah, maybe it's maybe it's a foot thing and just doesn't quite fit, and you would find another foot, but. 
Uh, yeah, I often find indoors it's, you have to be given the right positions in order to have the capacity to try hard. For me indoors it very much feels like I'm, o- I'm on or I'm off. Outdoors it's, it's just, it just feels very different. Um, indoors is, I just find more challenging. I'm not a particularly good indoor climber. You did have a bit of a run at competitions. I, I mean, I don't think you've officially stopped competitions, but you were doing them quite a lot for a while. Yeah, I did. Um, as I say, I, I do enjoy competitions. Again, it was always very open-ended. I didn't have a goal in what I wanted to achieve in the competitions. Um, it was very much, it, I enjoyed turning up. I enjoyed the blocks. You get to meet some fantastic people. Um, and the social aspect of that really appeals to me. Um, and it, yeah, it still does. Um, do you think, leading question alert, do you think you would have achieved more in the competition space if you had had a goal? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I, absolutely. I think without a doubt, um, if I'd had a goal, I guess you try and implement a strategy in order to, well, figuring out how you're going to achieve that goal. Um, whereas I didn't have a goal. <laughs> So it was often, you know, going to competitions was often quite a last minute um, decision and I wouldn't have done any of the uh, specific training. Again, I'm not particularly good at coordination moves or classically have been absolutely terrible at slabs and coordination, which is something that's, you know, extremely prevalent in current competition climbing. So it's it's something that, you know, you I really enjoyed pushing myself and I think I learnt a lot doing competitions. I very much pushed me out of my style and I think I improved actually um, in a lot of aspects but it's still something that doesn't come to me as naturally. And sometimes you left it so late do you miss registration and didn't get to do it at all? Ah, oh, that was such a shame. <laughs> I feel like there's a story here that I do not know about. <laughs> that was one of the years of BBC's where Francis said she was doing it for weeks and then just missed, forgot to sign up on time. And... Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like you're saying, with training, I think... I reckon probably one of the most important aspects of a good competition climate is to be well-rounded. So perhaps, because you've done less competitions since you started training, right? Uh, yeah, I think that's probably true. But it's probably I anticipate it's actually probably preparing you relatively well. Maybe. For competitions, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, Do you think you'll keep competing? Because you found it fun? It would. I mean, I wouldn't say... Um, well, no, yeah, never say never. I would be open to entering the next BBCs, for example. Um, but yeah, I would just have no expectations going into it. So it would purely be because I do, I think I find it an enjoyable experience. The BBCs, um, I think, coming up in August or something, yeah. is it? Mm. Will we see Francis Bensley on the... <laughs> Open-ended. On the sheet? <laughs> no, no commitment. No commitment here. One of the things that I wanted to ask you was about how how you find it trying a boulder that you know has never been done by another woman. So I think if it's been done by a woman, there's very much... um, Yeah, potentially there's more of an expectation of, okay, so a woman has done it, so therefore, theoretically, it might be possible um, if I can become as strong 
as they are, as, as technical. Whereas I think when the barter has only been done by men, for me, it doesn't necessarily mean all that much. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, so that's the thing, isn't it? So, so you basically you are saying that, yeah, you would be more inclined to try something that has been done by... Absolutely, absolutely. As I say, it's, it's not something that I, I, I get intimidated by if it hasn't, but that's usually because I've probably had a look at the style and not thought that the style was something that didn't suit me. Is it usually, yeah, is it usually like, because generally often the men who are doing these climbs are often taller or there's like indicators into like you can come if you know the people who are doing the climb, you can compare yourself to people of like similar heights. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, perhaps skill sets. And is it that that usually correlates with other women that is quite encouraging about seeing other women doing it? Exactly that. It's, it's a lot more comparable, isn't it? I think um, it would be ridiculous not to mention that, well, oh, how to put it with the no genetics testosterone <laughs> it's sort of a fact of life isn't it um but i don't know maybe that isn't true i guess in climbing there are plenty of women that are super 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 strong um, but that doesn't change the climbs you try right because there's quite a few hard climbs in the uk which you do have the first female ascent of yeah potentially yeah there, there are there are a few i guess i i haven't really researched most of the time, I don't go out there looking for boulders that haven't had a first female ascent. That's not something that uh, motivates my decision to try something. But it's it's actually a little bit more than just that, though, isn't it? Because I know you've done some hard boulders where you have the first female ascent. And I think you, you often don't even look it up. Like, yeah. It's not something that seems to particularly... Like, you're not that interested in having the first female ascent? No, not really. Um, I generally try a boulder because, as I say, I find it inspiring um, or it's something that pushes me. Um, as I say, probably if it's going to push me at that level, it's it's probably because it is in my style. Um, so, no, it's, it's not really relevant to me if it's had a first female ascent or not. Um, as I say, if it had had a female ascent, then I'd probably be more inclined to try something. Um, yeah, but it is the nature of things that quite often, if you want to try some of the hardest climbs, they may have not had a female ascent. Yeah, so you can't apparently. let that dissuade you, can you? No, it, it, exactly. As I say, that's why I'd be very psyched to see more women try really hard stuff in the UK. Um, but it requires a lot of time and patience, doesn't it? Anything sort of at your max. But there is something that's been kind of talked about a little bit in the climbing world at the moment, which I was kind of interested to talk to you about, which where uh, Andrew Bisharat wrote an article um, where he got, I'd say, he got a lot of stick for it. I think that's fair to say. Um, but the cusp of the article was that we shouldn't value a first female ascent. Um, and I think what he meant by it was that we should only value ones where, like, it's a big deal that there's no female ascent. And, and to, to always champion a first female ascent might mean that you're championing someone who who is just no female ever tried that climb before. Um, the same point from, like, 
perhaps like I think you can make the same point from a more positive spin like I know there was a lot of controversy about that article but you could make the claim that we shouldn't celebrate a first female ascent because I almost think that it it maybe isn't necessarily something that's unexpected over a first ascent in general now it's a different conversation it would actually be quite interesting to talk about female developers as remarkably few but we can go into that in a bit but in the the skill set in that women have often supersedes like well okay massive over generalization but there's often a lot of things that women are much better at than men in climbing like often they're way more flexible again these are just generalizations often really good on small holes sometimes comes along with being generally a bit smaller and lighter but like there are a load of skills that often women are a lot better than men are. so theoretically have the propensity in many cases to climb a lot harder and to be able to do something which is hard for like some big burly guy who might represent some hypothetical toxic masculinity climbs up this boulder and then some woman finds it really easy and like maybe there doesn't have to be so much emphasis on a first female ascent if like like women are very capable of climbing this difficulty anyway like i I don't mean to like like as in like i wonder if it's a bit degrading to be like this is amazing that a woman has done this because a woman is very capable of climbing hard climbs. I really like that view, actually. That's not something that I'd ever really considered. Um, but, like, it's the same point. But... It is. No, it, it absolutely is. And um... I'm not saying that we shouldn't celebrate first female ascent, <laughs> but, like, like I, and I think the person who does do that has every right to promote it, but it could be a way of, like, viewing a reason why we might not want to put loads of emphasis on yeah because a girl could potentially in the same trip climb something way harder but just so happens has been done by a woman before yeah like but that's still the better achievement isn't it really yeah 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 um but i guess yeah how would you how do you feel about it francis do you feel like we give enough respect to first female ascents or potentially you know how big of a deal do you think it it should be regardless of where it is now so for me personally I guess I haven't done a lot of first female ascents but I've done a few um on a personal level I'm not particularly interested in getting any sort of recognition because I've done it as the first woman I'm much more interested in um getting any sort of recognition because of the hard work that I've put it put in to the problem and what it means to me, not just because I'm, I'm female. Um, I think it's, yeah, I don't know. It's funny, isn't it? Because I think that's, that's kind of the point that I would, I was like incredibly clumsily trying to make, which is like, just, if you do something really hard, it's an incredible achievement. In no way does it take away from that if, if a woman's already done that climb. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I, it's still, absolutely. The achievement is the same, isn't it? It's yeah. like equally remarkable. I suppose the only extra you could give to the first female ascent is that's the first woman who's been unafraid of anyone. Because normally, if it's never been done by a woman, you'll have some men probably around each of those women saying, oh, I don't think that'll suit you. It's not your style or whatever. Absolutely. I, I think it goes back to what Aidan said, actually, is that most of the developing is done 
by guys. Um, and so naturally blocks are going up all of the time. If they're not being put up by women, all of them eventually might have a female ascent. Um, and yeah, as I say, for me personally, I much prefer, you know, if I, um, trying to think of, yeah. So say if I did try a new baseline or something like that, I think that's, that's a much bigger achievement than potentially doing an ATA here or something just because it's the first female ascent. Um, yeah. it very much goes down to, yeah, I'd, I'd much prefer, um, any sort of recognition based on the amount of effort that's gone into irrelevant or irregardless of it being a first female ascent or not. Yeah, no, I actually think that's the best way of putting it, to be honest. It's like <laughs> the, the amount of respect you should get should just be in parallel to the amount of work you put in and how hard it was for you really, regardless. There could be emphasis put on it on certain boulders, which you may not traditionally associate with. Yes. Uh, certain skills. Yeah, so there might absolutely. be a, there might be a boulder which has a reputation of being like really spanned or like incredibly burly on wide holds, and you might and then somebody's found a sequence. A female has found a sequence which might represent. Again, it's very hard to say a female. Like there's obviously <laughs> outliers in how like tall people are, or like, but as in it might give confidence to, for other people to try that boulder. The point you made earlier, and then you can have extra emphasis on that being like, look, this is something you can try, kind of thing. But yeah, like you say, I think the actual recognition for the feat itself should perhaps be proportional to the investment of energy into it. I think actually another thing you just said is it's it's not just for these particular boulders that you've just described. It's not actually just women. It's just climbers that are short because mm. um, we often say, ah, oh, that's a girl's block. And what we actually mean is that block suits people of a shorter stature, which there are guys that are shorter as well. It's not just women. Um, and so, again, it, it comes down to morphology, not necessarily gender. So now we can have people claiming first short person. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think that's just, I think that's equally as impressive yeah, to see yeah. a short climber, male or female, doing something that is classically an incredibly spanned, as you say, or burly block that would typically and, not suit somebody of a short stature. And I think certainly in the UK, that's that's the conversation that comes up a lot more at the crag isn't it it's it's not actually which one woman or whatever has done that boulder it's it's a list of who's the person with the shortest span to have done that boulder <laughs> you know like <laughs> is it reachable with someone oh yeah they've done it and they're really short and it might be that person's a woman or it might be a man but really people are just interested in like ape index and yeah <laughs> whether it's too reachy that's what people tend to be afraid of isn't it it's just like if you can't reach the holes and that's the end Absolutely. I think one thing that I um, struggle with a little bit is blocks that were probably put up by guys, as we have established that most things in the UK, as an example, and potentially globally, are developed by guys. Um, but, you know, they might have been originally climbed with an intended sequence. And sometimes it's quite controversial to climb things with a different sequence, because the first ascensionist didn't use potentially a hold that might be relevant as a shorter climber. Um, and I think there's definitely instances of potentially achievements being 
taken away um, oh, yeah, because uh, you know it's you know people will say oh but you know, that's not how it was originally done but as somebody who is a little bit shorter well it's like well the original yeah. beta it, it doesn't work if yeah. you if you were to strip that phenomenon down though that's somebody who is criticizing somebody else for climbing climbing their boulder using an extra hold that's somebody taking not only like ownership over that boulder being their first ascent but ownership over a particular sequence of holds climbed in a particular like way being their first ascent and like as if that is the only legitimate way in which to do it which is kind of quite crazy but the phenomena i think we've spoken about this on another episode of people having a default to take away from other people's successes like relentless put downs is sadly quite is inevitably quite prominent it's it's prevalent and it's it's really sad but it's really prevalent in climbing like the amount of ways that climbers try and take away from other climbers like didn't use the right sequence as you said um or they put a rope down it you know so therefore it wasn't as dangerous as when i did it like (laughs) as if that's a thing um slapped a pad yeah or they're they're shorter and so therefore lighter and so therefore it must have been easy (laughs) yeah yeah or or they're taller and so therefore lanked through my sequence and but i I think i think you're Almost the worst way people ever criticise someone else is that they found a better sequence. (laughs) It's like, what are we doing here? Like, we're trying to climb boulders, but people like to make even more rules. Yeah, yeah. As if, yeah. As if we're not trying to find the easiest way up the hardest face of rock. That is kind of... (laughs) I mean, what they've done there is they've just proven to be a better route reader, isn't it? They've just crucial skill. They've just found a better sequence, and you could argue that makes them better anyway, because that's climbing, isn't it? Yeah, it's a skill. Yeah, um, required. But yeah, it definitely does happen, and that leads us on to another thing, which is it is no coincidence, or at least I refuse to accept it's a coincidence, of how often problems get downgraded by the first male to climb a boulder or route after a female has done it for the first time. Yeah, that's a horrible. I remember, I think one of the sad, like, that happens horribly often. And one of the the ones which I thought was most saddening was when there's an amazing young climber who's smashing, Oriane Batone. Oh, yeah, Batone. absolutely. She's so, smashing yeah. it in comps these days. But before, I think when she was too young even to do competitions, she did that. Satan il Hel- uh, um, which is yeah, Satan il Helvet or something. Helvet in Fontable, yeah. which is an incredible feat, and was eight plus eight C at the time, a bit like in the grey, yes, like grey area. Too, yeah. And the way in which he climbed it was amazing, and like perhaps like not, it was not the way in which it traditionally done. It had been very basic compressiony board style, like really powerful boulder, and she found a sequence where she could put a heel by a hand and like really like suck her weight over a foot and like use an incredible skill she had to do this boulder and instantly the feedback was well <laughs> this is a different sequence and this boulder is now easier and it's yeah. no harder than AP plus and I thought that was like 
I mean, I've never tried that boulder. I can't comment on the difficulty of it. But like the reaction to that be the default that this is a new sequence. Like not acknowledging that there is a skill to finding new sequences and just because something isn't pulling hard on hold doesn't necessarily mean it's easier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think as well, it's also, you know, it doesn't get acknowledged the other way when she might have done something incredible using the conventional beta on a block where she's having to try that much harder because, for example, she might be shorter. Um, She's using the same sequence, but you have to try disproportionately hard. She doesn't get an upgrade for that. No. Um, It's like it's the lose-lose situation, isn't it? It's like you're short, so you have a shorter span, uh, so you can't reach my way, and when you do it your way, I'm going to say, that's rubbish. (laughs) Like, my way is the real way. It's like, well, can can you do it her way? No. (laughs) But my way is the best. And it's just this, like, sad, like, people trying to protect their egos. But it just happens time after time. It's a classic climber debate, isn't it? Because it goes the other way with tall climbers as well. When, you know, tall climbers, when they can reach something, everybody's very quick to take away from them because they've just spanned between things but then probably don't acknowledge when it's a tiny little box and it might be impossible for tall climbers to get into that box so it goes both ways um it's just acknowledging that climbing is going to be different for different morphologies but it's and that's so okay. funny, isn't it? how often do we hear people saying that like this new way is easier than this other way you know say someone does a boulder someone does it again with a with a new beta like like Oriane and then that person will say oh that's easier and I mean they haven't even tried it <laughs> like just it's just this assumption that no my way must be harder but it happens disproportionately to women definitely uh, yeah I'd agree with that which is sad it's sad but hopefully the first step to trying to stamp that out a little bit is talking about it and you kind of point it out don't you you know mm. on a sort of multi-million listener podcast (laughs) 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 well good start good to have goals (laughs) actually I think yeah it would be interesting to see what your thoughts are on boulder developers as well because I've met quite a lot of people who have been developing boulders and I know incred. I maybe know of one woman who I know goes and cleans and develops boulders. Um, and is that something which appeals to you or interests you? It's actually not. Not interesting. It's not. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's a shame. Maybe it's not. Um, but you are absolutely right. It's, it's something that seems to be very rare, uh, very rare in climbers to see a woman going out and developing climbs. Um, yeah, I'd be interested to think, do you, do you have any ideas why that may be? I think partly there's so many climbs already out there. For me, it's always been, you know, there are so many climbs, they look amazing, amazing lines, um, and they're just there, ready to try. I guess if you're developing things, it's I suspect it's probably quite hard. It's going to be very time-consuming, takes a lot of effort, a lot of tenacity to sort of find a line, develop it. You know, make sure that it goes. Whereas, as I say, I, there are so many boulders out there that I personally don't have the desire to do that. Um, whereas, I guess for some people, it's it's a real thrill to go out there and discover new hidden gems. Mm. 
Yeah, it's fair enough. It just seems like a lot of work. It does, doesn't it? It just seems like a lot of work. We're it, too lazy, Sam. What if it doesn't work? <laughs> <laughs> this climb that I've been wire brushing for the last however many hours, it doesn't go. Yeah. Can yeah. chisel up? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Comfortising. Mm. It's too exciting when it does go, though. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe don't get the chisel out. Yeah, true. Well, that's the, you know, the dirty secret of uh, first ascenting, isn't it? That so often some of these holds were comfortised heavily when they were first put up. Uh, not something you've... I was going to say, what, what's, what's your view on that, Aidan? Comfortising, things. As in, comfortising as in, in inverted commas... Oh, inadvertent. As in, like, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Oh, no. Comfortize- I've comfortised the whole thing. <laughs> Less of it. But that was I- the whole there before. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, yeah, how far do... Like, as in, it's obviously a fine line between comfortising in the practical sense of improving a climb and making a negligible difference to the rock. So, I think a good rule is not to take anything off which you couldn't do with your sh- nobody's gonna nobody's gonna have a hold and be like i'm not gonna stand on that hold for fear of eroding the rock actually you do in fontainebleau that happens quite a bit but like generally in the uk where everything's a bit more brittle the rock is less likely to wear in, in such a way um it's quite a nice rule to have like not to remove anything that your shoe wouldn't so like if there's a hold which is unholdable because it's so sharp and there's like little spikes on it, if you could stand on that hold and they come off, then I'm kind of okay with that. <laughs> so, so like, so like that might be like using the end of a like a normal brush, and you can like kind of like if it's all flick these pings off, flick yeah. these chips off, then that's okay. Like, yeah, I mean, getting out at angle grinder and cutting a little block. <laughs> drilling a hole <laughs> into the rock is obviously the other extreme and it's obviously a fine line but I don't know this feels quite relevant to <laughs> the conversation but, but, but it is a delicate line yeah if if you had say you found this boulder in the lakes that's exactly your it's the dream boulder it's like an absolute Aiden test piece yeah but unfortunately, two thirds of the way up, there's a big blank section of wall where there's absolutely nothing, like nothing at all. Would you get your little chisel out and put a little crimp in there? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think I would. No, no. So just you just leave it. Whereas if yeah. you did, it would be an absolute classic. It's a five star line. Oh, well, <laughs> you put it in ten star, <laughs> a ten star line. I mean, in this case, you have. I, who knows? I haven't seen this climb. <laughs> I like to think I'd say no. Also, there was a lot of amazing climbs still out there for me to do, and maybe, yeah, I do know, I do get the it, argument. It does there. happen though, doesn't it? You I know, do people get do put crimps into blank bits of wall and do make great climbs. I mean, like, I'm fairly certain it's common knowledge that many holds in Magic Wood are manufactured and. They are great climbs. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, as in, like, they, you might be like, always oh, be strongly adverse to damaging the rock in order to create a hold. But the many people who haven't made an experience climbing that boulder 
maybe you like look at that and weigh up like those two and you maybe have a bit more of a conundrum than never tamper with this rock so it is like a it is like a complex question but like you never really know when you would actually be doing the boulder like in the first place and chipping a hole like you actually have to it's quite an active task it's not like oh maybe people will enjoy this like you're doing it so that you can climb it which mm. is a bit more direct and yeah feel a bit more adverse to speaking for experience though in- haven't what haven't man- <laughs> <laughs> nah, I haven't manufactured all <laughs> as you put it down your climbing bag sounds like a carpenter's toolkit in there <laughs> That battery's for your fan, is it? <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah. no, I think it's it's fascinating because I've never, I'm the same as Francis, I've never done any developing. So, yeah. you know, as far as I'm concerned, if I walk up and someone's made me a lovely climb, I'm just going to climb a lovely climb and walk away. And be happy with but it. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it myself. But if someone else had done it to a boulder that I other, otherwise wouldn't have climbed, I'm not going to be lodging too many complaints. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, because as you say, like some of those climbs in Magic Wood, they've created absolute belters, yeah, and I've yeah. climbed some of those climbs that are belters, and I really enjoyed it. I had a great day out. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for taking the hit on the moral. Yeah, <laughs> rock. The, 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 one, the one that absolutely. I think everyone, we can all agree, you must absolutely never do, and yet still does happen, is people comfortising problems, like, again, comfortising in that sort of wing-wing way, that have had loads of a sense. You know, suddenly you go to a problem and it's like, wait a minute, someone's chipped this. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's happened. Um, Okay, so talk a little bit more about your kind of superpower, Francis. Your tenacity. Is I want to talk a little bit about your experience on your hardest boulder to date. Fat lip. Fat lip. I was looking for something to do. Um, and I also needed a focus at the time. There was a lot of tenacity that came to that because there were multiple sessions where, well, I don't know, maybe three, three, four sessions in and there was still some moves that I hadn't done yet. I'm quite interested, like, because you mentioned this earlier, you very much act by feel and, like, you feel whether you can do a move or not. Like, is there a point in which, like... Because then you also say there's a time where a boulder doesn't feel attainable, you will give up, maybe temporarily. Um, But, like, at what point in that process does that happen? Is it just on, like, your motivation to try it? Um, So I think in this particular boulder, so with Fat Lip, one of the amazing things about it is it's incredibly accessible. You can try all of the moves from the ground. Um, And the moves that I couldn't do, it didn't feel like it was a strength thing. So if it wasn't a strength thing, then my logic was, well, I just need to figure out how to do the move. I just haven't figured out how to do it yet. Um, And also, I think a lot of it was quite body positioning. So it was very much just putting in the time and trying to find the little microbeaters. And yeah, absolutely. You can kind of do a move and... For me, as I say, yeah, absolutely, it is, it is about feel. And there comes a point, I think, where I can kind of, I can feel that it's doable. Um, and if I feel that it's doable, then generally I do persevere. Um, and I've had a lot of people that have said, I think you, in- including Aidan, actually, uh, that said, if you if you hadn't done the move at that point, you would have definitely walked away. Um, 
Maybe that was somebody else. Oh, I definitely you, said that. Yeah, to you, you, for you, sure. you definitely said that. If yeah. I can't do a move in a whole session, I tend to leave it. Yeah. You know, but what was remarkable with that is that I came up with you um, to join you on one of your sessions, where I think you were about four sessions in, and we lived together at the time. And you were coming back from your sessions and saying, oh, yeah, no, I feel quite good, feel quite close. And so I went up with you thinking, like, oh, I'm really excited to see Francis on, on this boulder. Um, and there was, you spent the whole session trying a couple of moves and didn't do either of them. And this was about your fourth session in. Yeah. And I remember driving home being like, oh, don't, don't want to be mean. So I don't want to say anything. <laughs> She's def- deluded. <laughs> it definitely felt like, oh, I don't think that's going. Because I didn't really look like you made any progress to me on those two moves. Um, and so what I find so amazing, and this is genuinely the incredible part about the whole thing, is that you didn't have anybody around you who was going, oh, yeah, you can do this, Francis. Like, you've got this. The only person who was with you at the time who I think believed you could do it was you. And like, you know, I'm so sorry because I, <laughs> no, I, no, I should have, I should, don't apologize, I, I'm very, please. I'm very glad to have been in the wrong and, and like, you did have it, but I'm pretty sure I didn't tell you that I didn't. You, no, you did. didn't discourage me at all. There was no, there was no discouragement I, I never, at all. You I, were I only ever you. encouraging. But definitely watching you on it then, I felt like this isn't going. <laughs> like, oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> and so how did you keep? How did you never like never let that bother you that you kind of didn't have anyone around you who felt like you could do it? I so at that point, as I say, I very much needed an outlet, and I needed to have something to really invest in and focus on. Um, and I guess was it just the two? I think I say it was just the two moves at the time that I couldn't do. Yeah, it was. but because it's only the two moves, it's a very small thing to focus on, um, and so sort of any tiny bits of progress that you make I think you can really I don't know um yeah you can really fix on those um oh, I don't know if fixate is the right word um when no, you, I'm not quite sure how to put it actually is it like when it's so so specific just like a singular move you can have many victories without doing the move almost yeah no I think that's a good I way kind of, of putting it I it's um yeah it's, it's those tiny little successes of things that from an outward perspective, don't look like you're making any progress at all. That's kind of what I'm getting at, really, because it's lessons for you, but it's also lessons for all of us, to be honest. Um, well, being really, really, really patient. Yeah, um. but it's because, because you did... Because I know if I'd be in your shoes, I wouldn't have done it. Um, because I would have been convinced I couldn't have done it. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had sessions with um, uh, other women trying climbs where after a while both of them decided actually I'm not making progress I'm going to call it whereas for me it was a case of well I know other people who are similarly strong have done this block so therefore there is no reason that I can't do this if I try I just need to figure out how um and I think that is definitely a valuable lesson um of just you know keep 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 trying as far as I know, you don't seem to feel boredom as an emotion. Not really, no. Like, it's very so, rare. So to show this, like when I would live with Frances, um, if she started a series that she liked on Netflix, she'd just sit and watch the whole thing. Or if she started a book that she liked, you know, I'd come back 
I'd see her in the morning and I'd come back in the evening and she'd still be sitting in the same place, except now she's almost finished it. Just like absolute full attention. Yeah, I'm enjoying it, so I'm going to keep going. And, it's, and you managed to carry that over to, the, to your climbing. I think so, yeah. Yeah, which is really, <laughs> it's really fascinating. Oh, there are definitely yeah. other people out there like that. I'm sure there are. Yeah, well, if there are... Get into projecting. Get into projecting. <laughs> it is, yeah, it's going to be your bag. Yeah, get You'll into projecting. You'll do well. Um, but would you like to find another multi-multi-session project? Just, just for reference... I don't think I actually know how many. How long did Fatlip take you? Ten sessions, something roughly similar. ten sessions. Mm. Yeah, it yeah. felt like a lot longer. Yeah, I almost kind of like ten sessions is a lot of sessions, but for some reason I kind of thought it was more. It's I, so it's because it was ten sessions in a season. It was like ten sessions oh, okay, yeah, over ten sessions over. A month and a bit or something. Yeah, like yeah. obviously there are always okay, those, yeah. those sessions where you go up and, and like have maybe a quick pull on the moves, realise that it's wet or the conditions aren't there and call it early and that doesn't like... Doesn't count. really count, yeah. Like, oh, also in one like, in a cu- in a spell of a couple of months as well. That's yeah. Really like, yeah, we invested a lot, yeah. <laughs> a lot of time into it. I think there are now other things that have probably taken me more sessions that are easier but it's it's you know it's, it's trying something once a year once or twice a year and then it's not in season or you get into something else and you come back the next season it's a whole you, different game to try something yeah. and then try nothing else like just try that one thing yeah. until you do it completely kind of thing. invest entirely into that one thing yeah mm. absolutely and i think the thing is well yeah so one of the other things i learned on it is how much easier moves become when you get to know them in that sort of detail and how quickly you can move between moves. When you do them at first, they're going to feel hard, they're going to feel really, really hard, but you keep persevering um, and they start to feel easier. And I guess you just, you learn it, you get better at it as you go. There you go. That's some good functional advice for our yeah. listeners. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure you find that as well. I mean, yeah. I know you've probably not projected to the same extent. I mean, you seem to do things a lot quicker. No, I've, I've, I've dabbled in projecting. <laughs> Maybe uh, now. now. Now you have. Yeah, now you have. But that's, that's quite a recent thing. I mean, yeah. I've projected a bit. Never so intensely. Mm. Like... Until recent times, it's always been like spread over multiple years, like a measure of success. Yeah. What would you say is your closest, Aiden? What what boulder do you think you either wanted or do want to do the most? Like anything that you kind of really fiercely wanted? Um, really wanted. Uh, like as in like. It might be nothing, because I could sort of tell from your very whimsical look after I asked that question that you probably didn't have anything that you really... Nothing like... Fiercely No, but like, yeah. as in like this... I... I'm just trying to think what... Basically, whenever I commit myself to a climb, which I would call a project, or I am investing a lot into, like... I think maybe that's something I'm relatively good at. You're talking about gears and climbing outside... Like, once I've figured out the moves, I feel like I'm quite good at giving it my all and, like, a lot of, like, I feel like I can invest quite a lot of physical and, like, mental uh, 
energy into a climb. Like I can be very, very focused on it. And generally I do that because I do really want to do the boulder. Why? It's a different question. I quite enjoy that process anyway. But most of the time when I'm outside and I'm trying a boulder, there are actually occasions like today when we went out climbing. I didn't really have an agenda and I just had a good time trying some moves on a project. And like, I wasn't looking to do that boulder. But lots of the time when I commit to something that like feels like a project for me, like I will really want to do it mm. every go. And I put quite a lot of effort into making each go count. So it happens really regularly. Like mm. it's rare that I pull onto a climb that I've been trying and I don't really want to do it. Okay. So you think you can maybe find that fierce desire quite regularly then? I think like on like an attempt by attempt basis, I think like I'm quite perhaps more recently being able to, I think perhaps I've had that same desire, but felt a bit demotivated when it hasn't happened in the past. And perhaps I'm a little bit better at detaching myself from that these days, but I don't think that's an indicator that I want to do the boulders any less. If that mm. makes sense. Yeah, I think I will maybe try a bit harder wanting to do first ascent. Mm. I haven't really understood why, but we had some conversations about this, I think, on one of our episodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, there is like, there's a certain drive to want to be able to develop boulders in that way. Or develop boulders, actually, I wouldn't say, to do a first ascent of a boulder. It's not really developing it, doing the first ascent. but yeah I think uh, that will tie into how much I'd want to do something going back to your question right at the beginning actually do I try harder outdoors yeah I'm starting to think actually I might agree with you Um, and as I say I I think um, that again that, that is more of a recent thing maybe in the last three years but actually learning how to try hard, I think, is an incredibly valuable skill. Um, it's really hard to try hard. Agreed. And some people just seem to naturally have that. Do you think that's something that's natural or, like, very much practised as well? Best example of this is perhaps our last guest, Billy. He's incredible at trying really yeah. hard, isn't he? Yeah. But I do agree he has almost always... Whenever I've climbed with him since I was a kid, he seemed to always have that propensity. Yeah, it's like that desire to want it that badly. Yeah, like I've had a bit of success with that. So uh, <laughs> I think there's a lot to be said for just try harder. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gets thrown around, doesn't it? It gets thrown around, and sometimes it seems a little bit unfair. But actually, yeah, you know, really try hard. It's so true, way. though. It almost seems a trivial advice, but it's so helpful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's genuinely like it seems like people are being facetious. If yeah. if if you fall off a move and someone's advice is just try harder, it seems like oh great, yeah, thanks for that, mate. But actually, so often it is what you need to do. And I, like you, Francis, really struggle to try a hundred percent. I I don't feel like I unlock that very often at all. Uh, it's just not like it just just doesn't come naturally to me. I try, yeah. but I don't absolutely go for it like some people do i also think it's not so trivial to try hard with climbing being so skill-based and so multifactorial Mm. so like doing a deadlift 
it's very easy to try hard. Yeah, you've, agreed, you've yeah. practiced that movement millions of times. And so like, there's nothing novel there. You just try really hard engaging the muscles you've always engaged. But climbing, there's so many other factors. It's not just like, you might not slap to a hold and just be like, well, I'm going to like try really hard to hold onto this hold because you might be thinking about your feet or like your, where your hips are. There's like so many other things which constitute trying hard within climbing, which are an accumulation of obviously a lot of physical aspects, but like very technical, like you've got to be very bodily aware and like, so it's not just a case of physically trying hard. That's, that's actually really fascinating. So I've never <laughs> thought of that before. And I think that could be really on the money in the sense that like trying hard in climbing is difficult because you have to try hard in a coordinated fashion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I can try really hard to lift a weight, but yeah. I'm quite mal-coordinated. And that might be why I struggle to try really hard with all four of my limbs. It's an, yeah, it's an accumulation of... yeah. I I think belief plays into it a lot massively and I think you can see that wherever you go whether it's outdoors or indoors you'll see somebody and they're trying to move over and over and over again as soon as they've done it once repeating that move is nine times out of ten so much easier they just do it because they know they've done it before and so they just repeat the move and I think some people just seem to have the capacity to try that hard right from the off, the belief that they're going to get there. And I think, again, I think you get there a lot quicker if you manage to implement that and try that hard. Yeah. And there's another thing, isn't there, about like some people feeling almost self-conscious to try hard. You know, like, yeah, like there are always some normally more blokes who don't have any problem down the gym or outside giving it the full power screams and yelling and and then some people struggle they don't want to do that because it's you know it's a bit embarrassing doesn't it yeah. especially when you subsequently fall off as well. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's like it's a little bit of a i guess a certain type of bloke who normally who's like happier to yell and scream and <laughs> smash the hold with their t-shirt it's not very fun to be around there. Important <laughs> to mention, you don't have to scream and shout in no. order to try hard. Um. I actually no, had an interesting helps. thought about, you know, you're talking about the correlation of really wanting something, tying into how hard you try. You're talking about when you do a move, repeating it can be easier. There's also quite a common thing. I don't know if you guys have had this, like your first go on a boulder. Yeah. Quite often, you can do things on your first go, be like make the like fall off, make the assumption that you'll get there every try from the start, and then suddenly you pull on again, and like it's you do you, the moves feel so much harder, yeah. and like flashing something, like you do try a bit harder to flash something maybe than you would on your second go, like it's very like most people will try and flash something in which they like, expect they could. But, like, that's maybe an indicator that wanting something more yeah. has a big correlation on how hard My, my only theory as to why that... Because I totally agree. It's a really weird phenomenon, but it does happen. But my only theory that I've got with as to why that happens is because when you climb something for the first time, you climb wholly on intuition. And so you climb, you know, whichever way you felt was the most efficient at the time. Whereas every other time I'll be climbing a little bit on memory, trying to remember what I did before. Mm. 
Um, and so maybe like forgetting to just rely on just climbing and not worry too much about like, oh, did I put my foot there? And I'm always asking people like, where was my foot? Because I never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's quite interesting. I think, I think as well, partly it could be as well, on your first go, generally you try really hard. If you've then done the move, you think, oh, I can do the move. And when you go back, you don't try as hard, but often you don't realise you're not trying as hard. And it's a classic case of when you try really hard and do a move, it feels easy. But as soon as you don't try that hard, you don't realise how close to your max it is and you just can't do it unless you actually try that hard. Mm. So I don't know if that could play into it at all, but I've certainly found with moves that I've done before, I can't do the moves and it's just a case of actually realising I just need to try harder. So I I don't know if Mm. any of you find that. Yeah, no, definitely. It's more like, how can we turn that into some functional advice? How do, you, <laughs> how do you get better at trying hard? And I guess the only thing is is to try and recognise that maybe you're not giving it 100% and just try that one extra time at least before you give up, where you give it everything. And really know that you've given it everything as well. Yeah. Um, coupled with the belief that you might do it. I think as well, if you have... You have doubts of, you know, I've tried really hard, but I didn't actually believe I was going to get there. I think sometimes it's not to say that if you believe you're going to get there, of course it's not. You know, <laughs> certainly it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Um, but definitely, you know, going for something with absolute sort of conviction, you know, really trying. I think it can get you yeah. in the way. Sadly, it's not just belief, is it? <laughs> I'm, Sadly I'm, not. On my very first, one of my very first trips outside, I watched a guy like smashing away on his project for a while uh and then he he went full uh yoda and did like a kind of 20 minute meditation where he was like convincing himself he was gonna do this move (laughs) and then and like he looked so zen and then he pulled on fell off and just screamed (laughs) 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 felt so cheated he just wasted 20 minutes There's actually also, um, I think sometimes if you, so for me, telling myself, right, you're going to do it this time, that does not work with me at all. Because all (laughs) it does is it puts pressure on myself. I I don't work with that. Again, I remember in Magic Wood, Oren very much, you know, he can psych himself up and he can be like, right, I'm going to do it this time. And I remember him telling me on multiple occasions, right, Francis, you're going to do it this time. And for me, just being like, no. Like, yeah. If that mm. literally doesn't. Unfortunately, I don't work like that. I, w- I wish I could. I wish I could yeah. just psych myself up, try harder, and be like, right, I'm going to do it this time. But it doesn't work. Not for me. Yeah, like, me neither. It's like you, when you jump into a lake or something and somebody counts you down. Often lots of people hate it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm, I'm yeah, better at that. Yeah, in my own time. <laughs> no, I'm better at that. <laughs> <laughs> Brickfire rock questions. Oh, I'm nice. going to be really rock bad questions. at this, aren't okay. I? No, it's not like a test. <laughs> <laughs> but you know my knowledge. I'm pretty ignorant, actually. No, but, I mean, for somebody that's climbed for over 20 years, I'm quite ignorant at climbing. Oh, and that so is... it's like, favourite climbing area? Probably still magic. Yeah? Nice. Yeah, probably still magic. I love Brioni, but um, there wasn't as much there. Like... There wasn't as much density in magic. There's a lot of things I really enjoy there. Uh, it's a shame it's very, very polished now. It's had a lot of traffic um, and a lot of things seem a little bit ruined. But um, if you can look past that, there's a lot of amazing stuff there. And it's really beautiful. 
Yeah, no, definitely. I agree completely. Mm. Great answer. Best boulder to date? Oh, damn. Oh, best boulder to date. Um, it's got to be Fat Lip or Jack's Broken Heart, I think. In terms of like personal achievement, something that I was the most happy about. Nice. It's not necessarily saying they're the most quality climbs that I've done. Yeah. Because yeah. if that was the case, then it would probably be something that was, you know, took a lot less effort and a lot less investment. Uh, but it was just a stunning quality line. Yeah, 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 yeah. But for you, yeah, yeah. great achievement. Okay, easy, easy climb or easier climb that you would recommend that everyone should have a go at? Blue Sky Mine. Yeah, classic. <laughs> such a classic. It's so good. And for everyone, that is a 6A plus, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 6A plus. 6A plus yeah. in Magic Wood, possibly the best line in the whole place. Really high, but by the time you get over a height that you would be scared it's absolute sinking jugs so it's really really fun <laughs> nice. oh no it's a banger yeah yeah you you took us to that first trip to my yeah it's the first thing you recommend it's get really up. rare that i like kind of insist that people try something but that is one that like unless someone was really not keen to try it i like that it's just because like, i don't like a highball I, I not no thanks but like when it's really good jugs it's just really good fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Top of the to-do list? Top of the to-do list. Or want to-do list? If you could... It, you... It, it, it would be new baseline. Ah. Nice. I think. Yeah. Oof. As like a wish for... <laughs> 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 sorry, Sam. I'm really, really sorry. I'm just going to... I'm so ready. Whenever you put that Instagram post out that you do new baseline, I'm just going to put a sad face <laughs> Just the hand emoji, right? Yeah. <laughs> my, my little finger's yeah, hidden this. Not so sorry. Sausage finger, sad face. <laughs> sorry, Sam. It sounds so horrible. I do want you to do that. Like, no, no, no. I just no, want to make that absolute. Favourite climbing uh, in the UK? Ooh. Good. Probably a controversial one. The most enjoyment that I get is on limestone. So far. Fine, fine. Uh, uh, actually, to be fair, I haven't really climbed that much in North Wales and the Lakes. I hear the rock's pretty good up there. Um, but whilst I really... It's not in... that good. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> that was really great. Um, again, no, it's pretty I good. I advocate for the lakes right there. <laughs> um, it's pretty beautiful up there, though. It is very beautiful. But I was going to say, whilst I do enjoy grit and um, recognise that it is a wonderful rock type. Um, it's something that I find very challenging. And so whilst I think I enjoy sort of a, a grit experience, I probably don't get as much enjoyment on the grit as I do limestone. So um, people can slate me for that, but that's how I feel. <laughs> so grit's overrated, is what you're saying. No, 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 no. Certainly not. Say that directly to you, KB. <laughs> yeah, Chris, Chris Klein is rubbish. Um, no, no. And no, no. the rest of that we can't. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sound point. Yeah. Nah. I mean, there are some classics that I've done on grit. It's just I feel like with grit, I just have to recognise it's not something I'm particularly good at, which is, I guess, sometimes nice because you take the ego out of things and just enjoy it for its climbing. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard. 
I, I also am very aware that we've kind of done this whole thing as if you were 100% a boulder, whereas actually you do quite a lot of roots as well in the past. Maybe yeah, not quite right now, but yeah, you're certainly a quite an accomplished route climber as well. So any roots on your to-do list? Ooh. I don't know if they're on my to-do list. Um, she says through fear of setting a goal <laughs> to try list you mean? <laughs> to, yeah, sorry to, to try list <laughs> no <laughs> steady on um, I think no this is more of a case of if I ever get the opportunity to go back to these places and or decide that I want to put enough time to get fit enough to do these things because whilst I think that fitness can come quite quickly it's something you definitely have to invest in um, but I did have a trip to Oliana and there are a couple of eight seas there that um, I thought looked pretty cool. And so again, certainly not a goal, but uh, eventually it would be pretty cool to go back and maybe try one of those. The same, not sure I ever will, but potentially that would be pretty high up there on the to try list. 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 All right, a little bit about training then. Training. Mm, just, yeah. just training. We mentioned it a little bit, didn't we? But yeah, yeah. Some more. You're not known for your high volume of training. No. So <laughs> I think we can keep this relatively brief. The, the point that you could potentially take from earlier the discussion is that, you know, for everyone at home, you could consider the possibility that you're training too much. Yes. Mm. So that's, I think, something, and I think we should all consider that possibility. Uh, initially, certainly I'm not in danger of that right now, but uh, <laughs> I have Good. been in the past. Um, but no, of the things that you have done for training over the years, is there anything that you would say you did do and noticed an improvement in your on-the-wall strength? Yeah, absolutely. So when I first started training, it was pointed out to me that my body strength was frankly quite poor. Um, it's got a little bit better I'm still not convinced it's fantastic um but that meant that I was prescribed quite a lot of conditioning so quite a lot of pull-ups and TRXing and press-ups actually fairly generic things I would say um I actually put on quite a lot of weight whilst doing that um I think I put on muscle quite quickly um and I would definitely say that the power that I felt on the wall was yeah I, I definitely felt an increase in power I felt a lot more burly um better in wide positions compression anything like that so that went up massively um however unfortunately I think at the time my fingers might have also got a little bit injured but when I finally went back to crimps and I'd also gained that extra muscle I literally felt like a sack of potatoes on crimps <laughs> so that was a little bit unfortunate uh, especially considering that's what I was previously good at um and I think now sort of I found a much more comfortable middle ground where I definitely found feel like a much more all-rounded climber so I'm very grateful um that I have done that sort of um body work if you like I definitely feel stronger in my body um but yeah definitely not losing sight of why I was initially all right at climbing yeah mm. and we've covered that from time to time haven't we in that like <laughs> one of the best ways to get good at climbing is is probably to utilize your strengths find your niche and just expand on that yeah <laughs> Yeah. and like people the, the, 
people love to say work your weaknesses and by all means do work your weaknesses but if you're looking for those top end ascents it is finding something that suits you and get really good at what you're already good at yeah a specialist yeah, is always going to excel further yeah. than a generalist but i yeah. guess i guess uh, being more well-rounded it opens more doors doesn't it, it yeah definitely yeah there are there are a lot more things that i could conceive of trying now that previously I would have just ruled out because it wasn't my style and I was just really weak in those positions. So, yeah, definitely opened a lot more doors, which is really yeah. exciting. And do you do anything... I know your finger strength is good, but do you anything uh, to focus on getting that any stronger? Do you do any work on that? I do do some fingerboarding. Um, again, that was something that I think when I first started, I probably went a little bit too hard too quickly. Um, yeah. Also, maybe misreading a couple of my sessions. <laughs> well, oh, that's a great story. <laughs> I don't know if I know this one. <laughs> this is a great story to end on, actually. Uh, yeah, um, you can tell the story, actually. That like, was so. when it was during lockdown. Uh, it was during lockdown, wasn't it? Uh, or was it just. A, I don't think it was. Maybe no, it I think it was before lockdown. Maybe it was before lockdown. Mm. But um, I went down to the wall to, to have a session. And I walked past Francis at the training room because uh, uh, the ballroom in Coventry, great wall, check it out. Great wall. Um, yeah. uh, it, the training rooms before the, the main thing. So I walked past Francis doing her fingerboarding. I was like, oh, that's that's cool. That's quite rare for Francis to be doing. She'd just started this new training program. Just like, started fingerboarding. Yeah. Never fingerboarded and, before. And I had a quick chat with you and you sounded like you were quite far into it, like a sort of hour in or something. Whoa. And I was like, wow. And I went to have a board session it was a moonboard session actually, and so that's the other end of the centre. And I climbed on the moonboard for probably about two and a half hours or so. To no, surely, I'm sure it wasn't quite. No, that it, was. it was. No, 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 it's no. no. Was I'm sure standard. it wasn't. It was a full <laughs> session, and then I came back leaving, assuming that Francis was gone, but Francis was still there on her fingerboard session. Wow! <laughs> I was like, what on earth has Dave? Francis coach what on earth has he got you doing and she's like yeah no this is knackering I was like are you almost there I said no I've got quite a lot to go and it turned out she showed me her sheet and it turned out what she was doing is where Dave had written set three do this set four do this Francis was reading it as three sets of this four sets of this. oh no I was down doing eight sets of like four hangs or something <laughs> so you're just doing an increasing period, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I was about this like four hour fingerboard method. And I remember It was never four hours. It was. It was quite long. It was. And I remember she, I pointed this out to her on her sheet and she literally just picked up her stuff and went over. <laughs> <laughs> <Very good. laughs> didn't, didn't, didn't do anything to finish off. Like, I'm going home. <laughs> An introduction to fingerboard. <laughs> yeah, so multiple hour fingerboard sessions. What not recommend. Yeah, don't don't do that. What not yeah. to do? That was the lockdown thing, wasn't it? I predicted it. As soon as lockdown happened, I predicted so many people are going to hurt their fingers because yeah. they put up fingerboards and then just yeah. smashed them. Everybody's got time. Five fingerboarding sessions a week. Yeah. Mental. I mean, people are starting doing two fingerboard sessions a day now. That's a craze, isn't it? That's a... Oh, the, what, the density hand thing or... It's like low intensity, like 80% or something, body weight or something. Yeah, yeah. Like the like density a, sort of... It's like a... Yeah, it was based on... A very, I'm pretty sure it was a very small research paper. 
yes. done on tendon adaptation. And um, yeah, I think the overview is you do like two very low intensity fingerboard sessions every day indefinitely. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know. It was made popular on YouTube, wasn't it? Um, one of the YouTubers yeah. did a video about it and like said how it made such a massive difference to their fingers. And I think the feedback was it helped some people and some people got injured. Yeah. So I think it was a mixed bag. I think that's generally going to be the theme with any training. If you're doing a lot of it, you'll either get pretty good or you'll get yes. pretty broken. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing, really. Particularly with fingerboarding, it's consistency, not so much intensity. Yeah. It's like you want to be doing a good fingerboard workout every week for 10 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it's like... And it's a safe way to provide load to your fingers as opposed to like yes. snatching little in-cuts. Yeah, that are quick more... fix fingerboard programs normally... Concern. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's also appreciating everybody works differently. Yes. I think, you know, may- maybe you could say that, you know, I was not particularly adapted to training and that's why I have picked up injuries whilst training. But I think as well, people respond differently to training. So I think it's okay to accept sometimes that, you know, less can be more. It's not, you know, obviously I do do training <laughs> these days. Um, but I think the quantity of what I do has definitely dropped a little bit. Um, and that's just with the recognition that that's what I respond to better. And if I, and because I do respond quite quickly, that works for me. And if I try and do more, I generally do just start to feel tweaks. Mm. Yeah. So watching that consistency, uh, sorry, that increase in load. And this is a good way to, to end it actually, because that last point I would have is that you should never be increasing your intensity by more than 15%. Like Mm. really any given month, to be honest, but anything more than that, you're risking, you're risking injury. You want to build up gradually. Yeah. And avoiding injury is probably the most effective way to improve. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I remember my brother saying to me once that people overestimate how much they can do in one year and underestimate how much they can do in five I think that's so true. You need to be doing this stuff for more than a year, but if you keep doing it for a long time, it makes, you know, the gains are incredible. That's a nice little, yeah. That's the soundbite. Yeah, good way way to wrap up, I guess. Fantastic. (laughs)